Jewel make a brother sound good. I don't know if I can live up to all that. But I do thank God it is an honor to always stand before his people to deliver his word to his people. I want to say thanks to my father in the faith, Pastor Chris Williamson, who is not here. And y'all have the privilege of hearing one of the greatest preachers of our generation every week. So, you know, you should never just take that for granted. But I do thank those who came to support me, Miss Sandra, Stephen, my cousin Erica, who's always here, and then my granny, Miss Kim Napier, and her husband Larry in the house, and others that are here. So uh, I want to thank Pastor once again for this opportunity and for all of you for welcoming me, me to come back home because it's always good to come back home. So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to deliver your message to your people your way. Father, you know my prayer, Lord, that you just move me out the way and allow your word to comfort those who need comforting, convict those who need convicting, correct those that need correcting. But, Lord, at the end of the day, allow your word to move forth in the hearts and minds of each and every individual in here today. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Our text today is in Acts chapter 12. Our focus verse is chapter 5, but the whole text is verses 1 through 17. We're going to read verse 5 when you have it, say amen. It says, Peter was therefore kept in prison... But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. I want to talk today from the topic, pray like you mean it. Pray like you mean it. Things just don't happen by happenstance as much as we think they do. Pastor Chris is away celebrating his in-laws 50th wedding anniversary. 50 years. I called Pastor Mac this morning. And I said, Pastor Mac, how in the world did y'all make it to 50 years? He said, well, when they first got married, as they was leaving the church, they left on the horse and carriage. And he said, the horse stopped moving. And Mother Mac got out and told that horse, that's one. And so the horse moved along a little bit longer, and then the horse stopped again. Mother Mac got out the carriage and told that horse, she said, that's two. Then the horse moved along a little bit, then that horse stopped again. Mother Max said, that's three. And she reached in her purse, pulled out her pistol, and shot the horse in the head. <laughs> Pastor Max said, woman, what is wrong with you? You crazy? You don't be shooting no horse like that. You know how much that's going to cost me? She looked at him and said, that's one. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, in 50 years, he made it to two yet. One of the things I love about our boy Peter is Peter is someone who has a history with Jesus. When you hear about somebody in the Bible, Peter is one of the most popular names in the scripture. And here in this context, 
our boy Herod. Herod is one that's in the line of all those other three Herods that you read about in the Bible. Herod the Great, who was the one who tried to kill Jesus as a baby boy. You have his other Herod, uh, uh, Agapus, who uh, beheaded John the Baptist. Then you have the other Herod who had Jesus, was, was very in interested in his role of Jesus going to the cross during his trial. And now this Herod, who is trying to receive approval and please, uh, approval and acceptance by the Jews, what he did was he had already beheaded James, one of the disciples. Now, you know, James was the inner three. You know, Jesus had 12, but he had his top three, James, John, and Peter, who he would take off, talk to, and spend more time with when he go do certain things. And so uh, Herod saw the excitement and the pleasure and the acceptance that he got from taking out James. And so now he's like, man, can you imagine what I'm going to get when I take out the head disciple, Peter? So what he did was he arrested Peter, but by being Passover week, he couldn't disrespect the Jews in their holiday by killing and beheading Peter at that time. So what he did was he locked Peter up in prison. And the one thing we have to understand, there's only three points I'm going to give you today. But the one thing we have to understand as believers, that a lot of times we have to understand is that deliverance is necessary. See, a lot of times we think because we've been delivered from the punishment of eternal hell and damnation away from Christ, we don't think we need deliverance in our walk. But what we fail to realize is that the Bible tells us that trials and tribulations and persecutions, those are promised to us. Those are something he say may happen. Those are guarantees that's going to happen. And here our boy Peter, who has now been arrested for the third time, and for doing something that the Lord had told him to do and that is live for him, that is preach, preach his gospel and carry on his message. And that's why we have to stay prayed up. See, if you stay prayed up, as long as you stay ready, you don't ever have to get ready. That's why we always have to stay prayed up. And one of the things that helped Peter stay prayed up and we can take this message is that our, the Lord and life will put us in some crazy situations. They will put us in some situations to where we can't do nothing but pray. They'll put us in some situations that's going to lead us straight to the altar and straight to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the things we understand about the Lord that deliverance is necessary is that sometimes we get in something so long that we forget that the circumstances and trials of life can put us in a situation where we get so depressed. We get so frustrated and we get so irritated that we sit there and wonder, Jesus, what in the world is going on? Because you could be in a situation so long, you would think that's all there is. You can see evil so much, you think that's all there is. You can see injustice so long, you don't think that it will ever get better. You can have sickness in your body so long, you don't see healing in your future. Because what it is, is we could be in something so long, we don't see anything being any different. But that will make us some sad Christians and some sad saints if we operate that way. See, we have to understand that things are going to happen to us. And we serve a God who no matter how dark the things get, no matter how dark that they get, we serve a God who does some of his best work in the dark. See, our day's time, when we understand Jewish culture, see, our new day starts when the sun rises. The Jewish culture starts when the sun sets. See, they knew they started at sunset. Our day started at sunrise. That's why when you read in your Bible in Genesis, it says there was evening, there was morning, and then that was day one. There was evening, and then there was morning, and that was day two. Because they, they start when it starts to get dark. 
And you can say we're living in some dark times right now. We're living in some dark times in our church. We're living in some dark times in our community. We're living in some dark times in our culture. But you got to understand, we serve a God who does some of his best work in the dark. Psalms 35 tells us that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The reason why that joy comes in the morning because we serve a God who's working on us through that nighttime period. We serve a God who's working on us when it's getting dark because we serve a God who does the best work in the dark. Y'all remember in Genesis when it says that the earth was without form or without void and God said, let there be light and it starts shining because God do some of his best work in the dark. When Moses was going to deliver the children from Israel, from Egypt, they went to the Red Sea. And the God and the Bible talks about how the Red Sea stood up and they walked all over the walked through the Red Sea all through the night because God does some of his best work in the dark. When Nicodemus wanted to know about salvation and get that understood by Jesus Christ to get cleared up, he went to Jesus at night because God does some of his best work in the dark. When, when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and Darius was up all night. And so then he ran down to the in the morning and he said, Daniel, did your God protect you? Daniel said, God sent an angel through the night to hold the, mouth, the mouths of the lions closed because God does some of his best work in the dark. Y'all know that when Peter, when the disciples was on the sea and they was going over to the other side and they was sitting there and they was going through the storm and they weren't going nowhere. And Jesus came walking on the sea and Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. And Peter went and walked to him. Y'all know that it was at night because God does some of his best work in the dark. When Jewel was talking about how Jesus was on the cross and it was at the midday and it was dark for three hours, it wasn't because the sun wasn't shining. It's because when the S-O-N started shining, the S-U-N needed to go ahead and take a break because our God do some of the best work in the dark. And no matter how dark things get and no matter how dark the times may be, we serve a God who does some of his best work in the dark. And the enemy knows that when we get frustrated, when we get upset, how sometimes we get our hands tied up. We can get tied up getting caught up in alcohol and drugs and running from sex from one person to the next and going out to promotion, prestige, and popularity. We go after all those things because the enemy knows that when you get disappointed, frustrated, and upset with God, you won't talk to God. That's why we have to stay prayed up. A lot of times you may feel some way about somebody and you get down there and you're praying and then you get back up and you still feel that same way. Then that means you need to lay back down and pray some more because you didn't pray long enough. You wasn't praying the right prayers because ain't nothing changed. So you got to get back down there because our God, as they were saying, is great and awesome. One of the things we understand about God is a lot of times we talk about the greatness of God. We talk about God is great when our bills are being paid, when ain't no sickness in our body. When the marriage is doing right, when the kids is acting right, we think God is great. But see, you have to understand how great God is. God ain't just great when things are going well. God is great when things are not going so well. Al Sharpton was talking about how when he interviewed Muhammad Ali, he said, because y'all know Muhammad Ali said he's the greatest. He's the prettiest. He's the greatest of all time. Can't nobody beat him. And Al Sharpton said, Ali, when did you know you was the greatest? Uh, he said, was it when you beat Sonny Liston and became one of the youngest heavyweight champions of all time? Ali said, nah, that's a time I won't remember, but that's not when I found out I was the greatest. He said, well, what about when you and George Frazier fought 15 rounds going back and forth? He said, was that when you found out you was the greatest? Ali said, that was the closest I ever came to death. 
He said, but even then, I didn't think I was the greatest. He said, well, was it when you fought George Foreman and you was a 20-to-1 underdog? And, he, and uh, you was, everybody was rooting against you to lose because George Foreman was a knockout artist, and they thought you was next on his list. He said, yeah, I remember that. I had the rope of dope, and I came out and whooped old Georgie. He, he said, but that's not even when I found out I was the greatest. He said, when did you find out I was the greatest? You was the greatest. He said, I was fighting this unknown boxer. He said, it was this big white boy that I was fighting. And he said, and in the round, he had got the best of me. He came with an overhand right and broke my jaw. And the crowd was cheering for him to beat me. And he said, so when I came out the corner that next round, I whooped him, and then I knocked him out. And he said, after that fight, I knew I was the greatest. If y'all really knew what Ali was saying, you'd be shouting. Because he didn't know he was the greatest when things were going well. He knew he was the greatest when he, when he was broken, when people was rooting against him, when his opponents and enemy was rooting for him to fail, and God still gave him the victory to come out on top. And we can't just think our God is great when things are going well. We have to know our God is great no matter what. Because a lot of times we see all these advertisements and all these products, people praising their products. But a lot of the products that people praise and a lot of the ones that they talk about can also describe our God. Because when you look at advertisements and you look at our God, we can compare a lot of them to him. Because our God is like Coca-Cola. He's the real thing. Our God is like Porsche. There is no substitute. Our God is like Ajax. He's stronger than dirt. Our God is like Adidas. Impossible is nothing. Our God is like American Express. You don't leave home without him. Our God is like Visa. He's everywhere you want to be. Our God is like Scotch Tape. You can't see him, but he's there. Our God is like GE. He brings good things to life. Our God is like Bear Aspirin. He takes the pain away. Our God is like Nationwide. He's on your side. Our God is like Allstate. You in good hands. Our God is like the Energizer Bunny. He keeps going and going and going. Our God is like Delta. He'll keep you flying high. Our God is like Motel 6 because he'll leave the light on for you. Our God is like Timex because he'll take a lick and keep on ticking. And when you're struggling and you're in a dark time, we need to hear God's word. We need to read God's word. And we need to be like Nike and just do it. We have to spend our time talking to God. See, we, sometimes we don't talk to God, and sometimes we use God's word like an emergency kit. We get to him when we're in trouble. We get to him when we need something. We can't do that with God. There was this little boy. It was around Christmas time, and he went to the store with his uncle, and he wanted this red wagon. Where his mama, he told his mama, he said, Mama, I want that red wagon. She said, well, won't you go write Jesus a letter why you deserve that red wagon? Little boy, when he wrote the letter, he said, Jesus, I need that red wagon because I've been very, 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 then he thought about it. He said, this is Jesus. I can't lie to Jesus. <laughs> so he tore that one up, and then he got him another letter. He said, Jesus, I've been pretty, pretty, pretty. He said, but dang, Jesus is even places where I don't think he's at. And so the little boy was thinking, and then he went down the street. The church was about a half a block from his house. And the little boy went down there, and the nativity scene was set up in the church because it was Christmas time. So the little boy was on his knees praying, and then he looked over there at the nativity scene, and he saw Joseph, and he saw the wise men, and he saw the mother Mary, and he saw baby Jesus. And what the little boy did was he looked, and he saw the statue of the mother of Jesus, and he grabbed that statue and ran home with it. So he grabbed him a piece of paper, and he said, Jesus, I got your mama. <laughs> if you want her back, you better give me that red wagon on Christmas. <laughs> 
And a lot of times we think we can manipulate our way into getting our prayers answered. We can't manipulate our way into getting our prayers answered. God tells us that if you submit to him, he will give you the desires of your heart. But you have to submit to him because when you submit to him, your desires will line up with his desires. Pastor Wesley said that prayer isn't us getting God to do what we want. It's us trying to will what God wants. Lining our will, lining our wants under God's will. That's what prayer is. And a lot of times we struggle with prayer because prayer don't come out and turn out the way we expect it to. See, our boy Peter here in the text is, is locked up in prison. He's between two guards, and the brother is asleep. Between two guards, and he about to get his head bit, uh, cut off in the morning. The second thing we need to understand is about what Peter and about understanding that why we need to pray like we need it. Is because when you pray, God will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. He will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. See, the enemy knows that when you're struggling and when you're going through something, you're going to want somebody to encourage you. You're going to need somebody to come around you and give you a word of comfort. But what we need to understand is that everybody can't have your ear. Because there's some people that's going to want to give you some advice. They're going to come and give you a prophetic word which may end up being a pathetic word, they're going to come giving you a word that God may not have told them to give you. And what Pastor Chris used to tell us, that people may be sincere, but they could be sincerely wrong. Because when God is trying to do something in your life and they don't have the discernment to know what God is doing in your life, that they could try to lead you down the wrong path. That is why we have to always understand what the enemy goal is. See, when Peter got locked up, Satan's goal wasn't for Peter to be killed. Although it was Herod's job, but a lot of times when the enemy gets us, we think our goal, we think the goal for him is to kill us. Satan don't get no glory out of us dying. He gets glory out of us acting outside of our character. He gets glory out of us when we ain't living up to what God has called us to be. Because when we're struggling, we stop allowing our Christianity to, to live out our salvation or our Christianity to be what it should be. So that's what Satan gets the glory out of because now our Christianity has become casual. We go to church when we want to. But when we're struggling, we say, why go to church? God ain't doing nothing in my life no way. Why go to choir rehearsal? Ain't nothing for me to sing about. When we come to Sunday school for, ain't nothing for me to hear from him. And we sit there and we get so casual in our walk because of how, how frustrated and upset we get with God. When I was younger, my Uncle Ed had this canary bird. And canary, that canary bird was saying when the sun is out. It was saying when it's daytime. But when it's nighttime or it's raining, you didn't hear nothing from that canary bird. So when it's shining, the sun is shining and the lights are out and you want that canary bird to shut up, what he would do is we would throw something over the cage and that canary bird would shut up. And I think that's the problem with our culture is we got too many canary Christians. We only sing when things are shining. We only sing when things are good. That's when they hear from us. But God don't need us to be canary Christian. He needs us to be nightingale saints. Because a nightingale was saying whether the sun is shining, whether it's raining, whether it's nighttime, whether it's dark time, God needs us to be nightingale saints and stop being so many canary Christians. This culture, as our culture, we have become so touchy-feely. The slightest thing offends us. The slightest thing keep us from walking the way God has called us to walk. The slightest thing will keep us from doing what God has called us to do. And we excuse it because we say, God understands that I was hurt. God understands how I feel. And so we use that as an excuse to live in our sin, our S-I-N, 
our self-inflicted nonsense. As if that's going to bring glory to God. See, the problem ain't the problem. A lot of times the problem is how we react to the problem. And when we go through problems and face trials and tribulations, that's why you have to stay prayed up. Because they won't understand why you're doing what you're doing. When you sitting there going through on your job and you struggling and you got somebody at your household that's sick and they seeing you still having your joy of the Lord, they still seeing you praising and giving God glory, that's going to make them want to get serve that God. All you got to do is read your Bible. You see these people that had all these different gods, but there were some who stuck to their true God and those who had those false gods came over to the true God because they didn't see no difference in that person's character or behavior when they was going through what they was going through. And when we understand prayer and when the Bible talks about us, when we look at Peter, how he prayed like he mean it. And sometimes we need to pray like we need it. We have to understand that prayer is the one thing that changes everything. It's the one thing that changes everything. And we say, well, what sense does it make? Why do I need to keep forgiving them when they're going to keep doing it to me? Why do I need to speak to them when they don't speak to me? What's the point? What if Jesus said, what's the point? Jesus, we're going to need you to die for their sins and go to the cross. Jesus said, what's the point? <laughs> they ain't going to do right. They're going to sit there and talk about each other, cuss each other out, lie, not want to be there for each other, justify their sin. What's the point? I ain't going to go down there and waste 33 years of my life for them rascals. What's the point? But when you love, Love covers a multitude of sins. When you love somebody, it doesn't matter. That is the point. The point is, I'm going to do it because I love you. The point is, we do it because we love God. See, when we go through stuff and we don't understand why the word don't work, it's probably because we ain't working the word. Are you praying for those who despitefully use you? Are you forgiving your enemies? Are you, uh, are you loving those who don't love you back? See, we wonder why the word don't work. is because we ain't working the word. But if you take time and work the word, you will see that the word works even when your heart is broken. The word works even when your feelings are hurt. The word works no matter what you're going through. The word will work. All you got to do is work the word and watch the word works. That's why we can't stop praying. We can't stop reading. We can't stop fellowshipping. We can't stop doing any of those things because all we got to do is work the word and watch the word work. There was this woman, this was a young man. I was listening to his testimony a few years ago. He lived in L.A., but he moved to San Francisco to go to school. So he's probably a Laker and a 49er fan like myself. And so when he get over there, he gets to his, he's working and he's going to school and he's volunteering at the Boys and Girls Club. Well, the little boy, he goes, the young man goes to the house during his break. And when he comes back from his break, you know, he goes home, and he grabs his mail. There was three letters there, three envelopes there. And so he gets to the table and he's sitting down. He goes through the envelopes. Well, he opened the first envelope. The first envelope was from his job. It says that we're downsizing and we're doing away with your uh, department. So at the end of this week, you will no longer be employed. He opened the second letter and the second letter was from his apartment complex. They said that you broke our no pet policy. And what it was was he was mentoring the kids at the Boys and Girls Club. One of his mentees was going out of town for the night, had him keep the dog for that one night. The apartment people found out and said, now you have 10 days to vacate the premises. 
And so he called his mama. He said, mama, you up there talking about your God. You talking about your Jesus. And this is the God. This is the thanks I get. I'm doing everything that you told me I'm supposed to do as a Christian. And this is what's happening to me. Why is God letting this happen to me? His mama said, uh, son, you said you had three letters. And so she said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you. And after we get done praying, I want you to open that third letter and call mama back and tell her what it is. Well, she prayed with her son over the phone, and when he, she, he called his mama back, he said, Mama, it was a letter from the Boys and Girls Club. They said that they heard the great work that I was doing, and they no longer want to have me as a volunteer. They want to hire me as an employee on the company. And not only do it come with me having a, jerk, a job, he said, Mama, it also come with room and board. And so when you trust God, no matter how bad your situation works, if you spend time in prayer, prayer will work if you work prayer. Because the devil's deepest desire for us is to see us get off track. And Peter here is in the text. Peter is between two soldiers. And he wasn't just in a normal between two soldiers because normally when they arrest somebody, they chain you to one soldier. Peter was chained with two soldiers, had two at the door. So he was guarded by a total of 16 soldiers. So they was rotating every three hours to make sure Peter didn't get away. Because this is Peter's third time being arrested. He was arrested in chapter 5, he was arrested in chapter 10, and he's also arrested in chapter 12 for doing the same thing what God told him to do. And when you ask the question, you say, well, why in the world is Peter sitting there continuing to do the things and he's asleep? Why is it that Peter is asleep and have peace of mind when he's about to die in the morning? Because Peter had history with God. See, one of the things when we go through a tough time, what we get is we get spiritual amnesia. We forget what God has already delivered us from. We forget what God has already brought us through. Sometimes we get spiritual amnesia. And we can't have spiritual amnesia when we're dealing with God. We have to remember not to forget. And when you have spiritual amnesia, you don't think about those times God has brought you through. Now, Peter has spent three years doubting and questioning God's word. Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me three times? No, I'm not. What happened? He denied him three times. Jesus told Peter he's going to have to go to the cross for his sin. No, Peter said, uh, Lord, Jesus told him, get behind me, Satan. So Peter has spent three years not trusting Jesus at his word. And the reason why Peter was able to sit in this jail cell and have a peace of mind with what he's going through is that in John 21, Jesus was telling Peter what he's going to be going through in his old age. And Peter knew that he was still a young man. So he knew that although his circumstances wasn't looking good, he knew that that wasn't the, Lord, the word of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus had told him he's going to die when he's old. Peter already was, Peter was young, and he knew that it wasn't his time to go. So for the first time, Peter started taking Jesus at his word. And the Bible has given us words on one thing after another, and a lot of times we continue to struggle, we continue to have anxiety, because we don't take Jesus always at his word. And what we have to do as believers in, in Christ is we have to start and continue to take Jesus at his word. There was this man, he was this old man, he was sitting at the barn. And so he had called the police. He saw three men, he called the police and said, hey, I got three men in my, bar, in my barn and they got ski masks on. And the police told him, well, the sheriff actually told him because he's in the country, said, lock your doors, hide yourself. And we'll have somebody there in about 45 minutes. He said, I can't wait no 45 minutes. I need somebody here now. The police, the sheriff told him, we don't have nobody available. So the man called him back about a minute later and said, don't worry about sending nobody. All you got to do is just send the mortician because I shot him and their bodies are laying out there in front of my shed. 
in less than two minutes, you had about four cop cars, an ambulance, the rescue squad, and they get there and they apprehend the burglars. And the sheriff walked up to the young man, went up to the gentleman and said, I thought you said you shot them. He looked at the sheriff and said, I thought you said wasn't nobody available. And we serve a God who ain't going to tell us something that's not true. If God give you his word, you should be able to trust and take God at his word. I remember, I don't know if y'all ever, anybody in the worship team, who's all on the worship team here? You ever just hear a song on the radio and it take you back to when God don't brought you through something? But you don't have your pastor there to preach to you. You don't have the choir there to sing with you. You don't have the worship team there to worship with you. And so what you do is you pull over on the side of that road because you get to thinking about all that God has done for you. And so you'll pull over on the side of that road because you are getting ready to praise God. You become your own preacher in there because you're preaching to yourself. You become your own praise team because you're singing to yourself. You, take, you do your own benediction. You say your own prayers. And before you pull off, you don't took up your own offering. <laughs> because you get to thinking about the goodness of God. Because when you get to thinking about what God has done for you, you start thanking God for all he's done for you. So when you get to thinking, you should start thinking. And the final point is when the church prays, God responds. When the church prays, God responds. See, it talks about here in this text that also that when the church was at home fervently praying, it says that the angel of the Lord, that the angel of the Lord sent an angel to release the chains. And told Peter, and he had to wake Peter up. Peter wasn't just in those little regular where you take a nap. He said the angel had to hit Peter to wake him up. Peter was in one of them deep sleeps where you had slob on your mouth. <laughs> the angel had to wake him up. And when the angel woke Peter up and he led him out the gate, they said Peter didn't even know what was happening for real. Peter thought he was still dreaming. And so the angel told Peter, get dressed, and then he walked to the gate, and then the gate opened by itself. God had opened the gate. Because the one thing about our delivery is when God is going to bring us out of something, we have to participate in our own deliverance. See, a lot of times we think that we're just going to pray to God and God let that be. No, we have to participate in our own deliverance. He told Peter, get dressed. I'm not going to dress you, Peter. You get dressed. Peter had to walk and approach the gate. And when Peter got to the gate, that's when God opened it. What we have to understand is when we pray, we do what we do, and God would do what he's supposed to do. We do what we can, and God would do what we can't. But if we don't do nothing, we got to stop expecting God to do something. We have to participate in our own delivery. Because if you work the word, the word will work. And if you trust and pray about something, believe that God is going to answer that prayer. Because, see, the look they prayed, and Peter goes to the house. And the little girl comes to the door, and she looks and sees that it's Peter. She didn't even open the door. She went back to tell the people that were back at the church that was back at praying that it's Peter. And they said, no, girl, that's got to be his angel. No, but, see, we got to stop doing that. We pray for something, but then we don't believe that God is going to answer it. But then when we, we don't, if we pray for it and God answers, we got to stop being so shocked. See, we got to start expecting God to answer our prayers. You got to expect God to do what you prayed and asked him to do. Because when you get upset, we got to stop treating God like we do each other. When we get upset with each other, we don't want to talk to you. We don't want to be in your presence. We don't want to be around you. 
But that's not how we're supposed to do with God, and that's not how we should do with each other. We say, well, it's hard for me to forgive somebody who's done something to me. But we're supposed to be Christ-like. And when Jesus was on the cross, he showed us nothing but forgiveness in every area we make excuses for. Jesus, we say, well, you know what, Lord, I forgive them if they stop doing it to me. Y'all know when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they were still hurling insults at him right there on the cross. You say, well, Lord, I forgive them if I don't have to see them every day. Y'all know when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, he could still see them. He said, Lord, well, I can forgive them if they just stop doing it to me over and over and over. Y'all know that when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they didn't stop doing what they was doing to him. So what we got to do is we got to stop giving lame excuses to why we can't forgive each other. And that's why when you talk about being prayed up, you have to pray and trust what God is going to do in your life. You have to pray and see what God is going to work not only in you, but what God is going to work through you. Four weeks ago, I came here to the Bible study. And I'm going to tell you, y'all that was there that was sharing your testimony, your prayer requests, and your praise reports, that blessed me. And that's how God wants us to be, because as believers in Christ, God wants us to grow into maturity. But the way we grow into maturity is we do it individually, but we also do it collectively. Because when they were saying their prayer requests and their testimony, what they was doing is they was proving that God answered prayer. What they were showing is that when God, when you do something, God not only answers prayer, God hears your prayers. And so when somebody gets up one week and give their testimony, and then the next week they tell you how they asking for a prayer request, and then two weeks later they give a praise report, that person is sitting there and saying, God, answer prayer. And they could be early in their walk. They could be fresh in, 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 in Christianity. But they're seeing God answer prayers through your testimony. That's why we can't stop coming to church. That's why we can't stop joining the choir. That's why we can't stop coming to Bible study. That's why we can't stop coming to Sunday school. That's why we have to always be in those things because people need to see that prayer works. I didn't grow who I am and trust God based on this Bible. I grew in my walk with God because I was listening and watching the testimony of people around me that was living it out and showing that God was doing what God said he was going to do. Scripture will go so far, but when you're young in your faith, the scriptures don't carry as much weight with you as most people think it do. But when you mature, that's when the scriptures carry on. That's why we have to be those walking testimonies and live out what God has called us to live out. I'll close with this. TV has changed over the last several years to where all these companies are raising the price on stuff. With Wi-Fi, you can have your fire stick. You can have Hulu. You can have Netflix. Because people are watching these TV shows all the time. And when you're committed to watching a TV show, you don't really want nobody to interfere with that TV, to tell you about that TV show. Because one of the worst things people do, they get upset is, if you tell them about a show that, you've already, that you ain't even seen yet. See, you ain't really black if you don't want to know how Lucius and Cookie relationship turning out. You ain't really black if you ain't trying to figure out what Tasha and Ghost, how they going to get it together. See, if I didn't watch Power last week, I wouldn't want nobody coming up to me telling me what happened last week in Power. Because if you're really into a show, that will ruin it for you when somebody tell you what happened in the previous episode that you had not yet seen. Y'all know how you feel when some of you watch Scandal and somebody want to tell you what happened last Thursday night? You don't want to hear about it 
Because he ruined it for you. Well, I'm about to ruin some stuff for you. Because some of us come to church every week to watch God. Some of us come to church every week to see what God is doing. And what we have to do is when I came to church, I don't know if y'all seen that episode where he answered prayer. That's in Genesis when Hagar was sent out because of what Abraham was doing to her. And God had answered the prayer because he sent the angel of the Lord, which was Jesus Christ, as a, in the form of an angel to come and protect her. That's the episode when God answered prayer. Did y'all see that episode when God was a deliverer? That's when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den for praying, and God sent an angel through the night to cover, hold the mouths of the lion and protect Daniel and bring him out the lion's den. Did y'all see the episode where God can make a way out of no way? Well, that's in the book of Daniel when the Hebrews, them three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and the bad Negro, was thrown into the fiery furnace, and God sent the angel of the Lord to protect them. Did y'all see the episode when God would bring you back from the dead? That's the one when in Luke, when, I mean, that's the one in John when Lazarus had died and Mary and Martha was upset and God and Jesus came back four days later and raised their brother up from the dead. Now, we got a lot of episodes because I know y'all saw the episode last week when this church, I don't know, in Nashville down the street from Bethel, they was praying and they took up this collection because they were trying to get $30,000 for a youth pastor and somebody was going to match that offer and they ended up raising almost $60,000. I know y'all saw that episode. All you got to do is pray like you mean it, pray like you need it, and watch God work. We have to trust God to try God, and we have to try God to trust God. You have to understand that you can trust God's heart even when you can't tra trace his hand. And when we love God and we honor him, we have to stay prayed up. We pray when we mean it. We pray when we need it. And the best time you need to be praying is when you don't feel like it and when you don't want to. Because that's when you will get more out of what God needs from you. Because you become in a humble position. You can hear him. You can listen to him. And you become in that state. And if you lay down and you get up and you're still bitter, if you lay down and you get up and you're still mean and evil and hard to get along with, then you need to lay back down. Because the thing about prayer in our relationship with God is that we give God something and God gives us back something. We give God our anxiety and God will give us a peace that surpasses understanding. If we give God our trouble, God will give us sustainability in our trouble. If we give God our, un our uncertainty, God will give us a faith that will help us walk through what we don't know about. If we give God our fear, he will give us the courage to face our fears. If we give God our struggles, God will give us victory in our, over our struggles. And if we give God the hell we're going through, God will give us the favor to walk back into what put us on our knees in the first place. You just got to pray like you mean it and pray like you need it.